Okay. Well, Ryan, tell us tell us what's up. Okay, so there has been another terrorist attack in Europe, uh, this time in Vienna, specifically in the historic city center. This is basically the fourth one this fall, and it's the first one that has ever really afflicted Austria. Um, so far, they've managed to kind of be spared the other attacks that you know France, Germany, Belgium. England have uh, been suffering in the recent years. So I looked into that, and we'll find out a bit more about the story. If you haven't heard anything, you know, beyond the headlines, I will have uh, a bit of context and some of the key players to disseminate to listeners. Okay, sounds good. All right, so what we know so far about this is that uh, in Austria, in Vienna, on the night of Monday, November 2nd, a man armed with an AK-47 assault rifle a handgun, a machete, and a fake explosives suicide belt slash vest um, attacked people in the downtown core. Uh, The attack took place near a synagogue, and people were out on the street enjoying food and drinks at outdoor patios, as they often do. What time did this happen at? About 8 p.m. local time. Okay. Now, the country is actually, I guess it has been implemented since then, but basically going into effect that or the very next day after Monday, Tuesday, they were implementing a new COVID lockdown curfew. So it was kind of people's last chance to get out. And so places were crowded. Okay. That's interesting. So it was out there like last night of freedom for a little while. Exactly. There, I think, I don't know exactly what time the curfew is in effect now, but basically it was like you had to go out or you're going to miss your chance. Now, what happened was four people were killed, 22 others were wounded, seven were originally placed on the uh, life-threatening scale in the hospital, but four of them were downgraded, now there's just three that are currently in life-threatening condition. Of the fatalities, there was one elderly man, one elderly woman, a young male passerby, and a waitress from one of the restaurants. Okay. Uh, the synagogue that this happened outside of, the Stad Temple Synagogue, um, this is actually the only synagogue to have survived World War II because the Nazis destroyed the other 93 in Vienna. That's interesting. Yeah, so the Stad Temple Synagogue, I'm the president of Vienna's Jewish community, Oskar Duch. He said that shots had been fired in the immediate vicinity of the synagogue, but he added that uh, he wasn't clear whether the temple was the target since it was closed at the time. And, you know, the attacks actually were carried out in five other places as well. There were six... Six locations designated as crime scenes in relation to this attack. Okay, so they're not sure that the where it is in comparison to the synagogue might just be a coincidence. Yeah, it's, it's not, not specifically like an anti-Jewish attack or anything right. like that. Okay. Um, yeah, so there was quite a few videos posted uh, online after the attack, like social media viral videos, cell phone videos from the events as they were happening. Uh, authorities have since asked people to take them down, but they're still up. I watched them. They are really quite chilling. Um, there's a guy kind of dressed in white. You can see that he's wearing some kind of belt, which people have said is fake, but he was clearly running around shooting people. Um, in one scene, he wow. was running down a, a looked basically d- deserted, but a cobblestone side street. He fired his assault rifle. He came back to the spot that he had fired his assault rifle to and you know, finished a guy off with his handgun. I don't know 
uh, who that was, but it was either the elderly man or the male passerby. Jeez, that's so scary. Yeah, um, a lot of a lot of the footage was from people up in their apartments, like off the street level, just videotaping just downwards. Down. Wow, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now, there's some conflicting reports on who and what actually happened here. Early reports were saying there was multiple gunmen and multiple shooting locations. Uh, Vienna's community rabbi, uh, Shlomo Hofmeister, said he saw at least two gunmen shoot at at least 100 rounds in front of the synagogue. He said they were attacking guests of the bar and pubs. People were jumping, running, falling over tables, running inside the bars. Uh, the gunmen followed them um, and kept shooting. Now, police have since poured over cell phone video and CCTV footage all Monday night and are now saying that there isn't any other gunmen at large and that, as far as I know, uh, right now it was just the one perpetrator and he just happened to fire shots in six different places before he wow. was killed. Now, um, that happened basically nine minutes after the shooting began. Special forces arrived quickly. Um, one officer was shot and critically wounded before the perpetrator was neutralized at 8.09 local time. That is crazy. Nine minutes, hey? Uh, yeah. And to such an extent that people thought there was multiple Well, shooters. a lot can happen, I guess, in 10 minutes. And if all these locations were kind of crowded and clustered kind of close together in what's called uh, the Bermuda Triangle area of Vienna's bars and kind of near the Danube Canal. So, um, yeah, just six different areas where the shootings happened. Um, okay, what do you know about this one um, gunman? All right, so what we know about him at this time, he's been identified as Kushtim Fejulai. Uh, he'd been released from jail actually less than a year ago. He was in jail because he tried to get to Syria to join the Islamic State jihadists, but they caught him. He was jailed for 22 months. He was released early last December because of laws basically giving more lenience to young adults. So he was released early under those conditions. His lawyer at the time, Nicolas Arast, said that his client had seemed completely harmless. He was a young man who was searching for his place in society, who apparently went to the wrong mosque, ended up in the wrong circles. This is Rast's quote. Um, yeah, so he can't say exactly what happened, but Fejulai's family wasn't strictly religious at all. The family wasn't radical. It was, it was a completely normal family. And the lawyer said he still remembers that the family couldn't believe what had happened with their son. He was a... Uh, dual citizen of Austria, North Macedonia, and he'd been basically radicalized online as wow. a young man. Okay, so he was released early because he was a young offender. Exactly. Um, but obviously it didn't work. He was just, you know, gaming the system, so to speak. Okay, and do you think that's what he did? Like, you don't think he got re-radicalized um, between January or and now? Or do you think he faked the whole thing uh i think he faked the whole thing um it's possible that he was like feeling less extreme and then just you know went back on his old haunting grounds on the web and then it happened to him again but i suspect because it hasn't been that long um that he he just never really fully renounced it yeah, yeah. okay what else do you know um well, I know that just before the attack, he posted a picture of himself on Instagram holding all his weapons. So again, that was a Kalashnikov automatic rifle, a machete, a handgun, a fake explosives belt, kind of 
I, I don't know what the caption on the picture was. I just know that he had posted this shortly before the attack, and it's since been wiped from the gram. Wow. Now, the interior minister of Austria, Karl Niehammer, he urged Austrians to stay at home if possible, avoid the inner city, and requested that children stay home and not go to school on Tuesday. The, yeah. Okay. So... And does that have anything to do with their lockdowns, or was that no? This is specifically because of the investigation, and because it wasn't a hundred percent confirmed that there wasn't still attackers and gunmen. Or something else wouldn't be happening. Yeah. Yeah. So ninety percent of the shops in the city center were shut down, and people were urged to stay home and stay out of the way. Bars were targeted um, originally in that area, the Bermuda Triangle area. So that's why kind of all those nearby city shops are now closed. That whole area is just being cordoned off and. Investigated. Of course, it makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Austria's government announced three days of national mourning to start immediately. Flags are at half-mast. Minute silence was held at midday. Schools were, are going to hold a minute silence for the victims on Wednesday morning, assuming um, the schools will be open. So what happened kind of after the attack is that several arrests were made during searches of 15 nearby homes. Two suspects were arrested in St. Polten, a town to the west of Vienna. Uh, they also arrested many of Fejulai's known associates for questioning. And at this time of recording, police have searched 18 properties in total and have detained 14 of Fejulai's known associates. Wow, that's a lot. They, yeah, Considering they, there was only quickly. one shooter, 14 yes. associates is a lot. So basically, that's what happened. And the Chancellor, Sebastian Kurz, he told in a live televised address addressed to the people that this is not a conflict between Christians and Muslims or between Austrians and migrants. This is a fight between the many people who believe in peace and the few who oppose it. He said, it is a fight between civilization and barbarism. Wow, interesting. Quote. And again, this is basically breaking news, so we don't know much more about the investigation beyond what I've said already. It's going to be ongoing. Um, but the the attacker was killed in a fight with police, in a standoff with police, and now they're looking into his associates and what what else might have happened in that case. Okay, and I know you mentioned at the beginning that this is um, not the only terrorist attack that has been happening in Europe lately. Right. So what... Yeah. there's been a lot. What are some of the other um, attacks that you well, know of? we have to talk about France. They... They've really been going through the ringer in terms of conflict on the streets and terror attacks. Um, basically, this attack came shortly after attacks in Paris and Nice that saw a teacher decapitated and three fatal stabbings. Wow. Uh, the stabbings took place at the Notre Dame Basilica in Nice on October 29th. I can tell you what I know about that uh, right now if you sure. like to hear yes. about it. So. France's chief anti-terrorism prosecutor, Jean-Francois Richard, said in a news conference that surveillance footage showed the suspect arriving in Nice via the city's railway station on the morning of October 29th. He changed his clothes while at the station. He then walked 400 meters to the church and entered at 8.29 in the morning. He attacked and virtually beheaded an elderly woman, a church worker who had been in the church for 10 years, everyone thought he had the biggest heart he was always very very kind uh, he received fatal stab wounds to the throat basically his throat was slit 
A second woman, a mother of three, originally from Brazil, she managed to escape the church and reach a nearby restaurant, but she later died of the stab wounds she received in the church. It's very sad. She's quoted to have said, tell my children I love them, as basically her dying words. Yeah, that's very, very sad. Um, and so was this uh, person also someone who is radicalized? Is that yes. the rationale, the that's, reason behind this right. attack as well? Yeah, and the victims were targeted at the church basically for the sole reason that they just happened to be the people in that church at that time. Um, the attacker is a 21-year-old Brahim Isewi from Tunisia, and he had only arrived in France in October. He had come from Tunisia, landed in an island in Italy, and eventually made his way to France, made his way to Nice, made his way to the Notre Dame Basilica, and killed three people. That is very sad. Police arrived at the church, and the attacker approached them, repeating Alu Akbar over and over again. At first they tased him, and then they shot him with bullets. He was taken to the hospital. Is he still alive? So as far as I know at this time, he's still alive. Uh, there's no reports that he is dead. The only thing I, I really found was just that he was taken to the hospital. So I'm guessing he's under, like, extreme interrogation. Um, yeah. Basically, it's confidential. I'm sure that they're being, like, that they're going to make sure he lives and they're going to find out some answers. Um, in this case, it's actually quite different because all the other attackers that we're going to talk about today were killed in standoffs with police and they weren't taken alive to the hospital. So, yeah. He hasn't died yet. He must be in a stable condition. Okay. Um, now, this guy, because he came from Tunisia, he wasn't already in France. Um, he wasn't known prior to the attack by authorities. Right. It wasn't the, like he was previously yeah, in jail. Or they he knew was on the a, guy yeah. from Vienna. Yeah. That's right. Now, that attack in Nice happened on the birthday of Islam's prophet Muhammad. Okay. Uh, it's not known at the time if that's a coincidence, but I'm guessing it is not. Yes, I'm guessing it is not either. A week prior to that, a French history teacher, Samuel Paty, was beheaded after he showed his class a caricature of the Prophet Muhammad as part of a lesson on free speech. Um, wow. Yeah, that lesson raised some controversy among parents before he was killed. He received threats, um, but he was generally considered a well-liked and reasonable teacher. But one parent did post an online video and basically called the guy a thug and was asking other parents to condemn him. So he was teaching a lesson on free speech? Specifically, yes. And was it actually during the lesson that no. he... Okay, it was just later, but it was it was because of the free speech lesson. As far as the investigation has said so far, um, the killer actually watched the video posted by the parent of one of the students in class. He wasn't a student or had any relation whatsoever. What I read is that he saw the video, traveled 40 miles to... Uh, Paris from where he lived and then basically hung out in front of the school asking students to indicate um, where the teacher might be and sorry yeah it was actually a 50 mile journey to Paris from his home in Evreux and this this was all prompted from after seeing the video by that father. wow so he was just so enraged by exactly. watching the yes, video yes he headed straight to Paris and wow that is scary teacher and yeah he, he shot him dead and then beheaded, beheaded him and the I forget his name, but the guy that did the stabbings at Notre Dame, there was also a beheading there as well? Well, what happened was he so viciously attacked the elderly woman that she was virtually beheaded. So, okay, so it wasn't a clean cut on purpose, I don't think. Because it seems strange. Like, that just seems like a very strange way to 
kill someone. It's not the same as firing guns or stabbing necessarily, but this seems the beheading almost like specifically two people were is beheaded. a terrorist attack kind of thing. Like they do it, that is so scary, and they post it on social media or online, um, basically because it's the most graphic and um, educational to the opposing side. I would say they do it on purpose. The beheadings is like, it's like the, the ultimate yeah, goes, scare tactic, basically. Like it probably goes back thousands of years. I don't know really the history of that. I just know that people have, like, I mean, journalists. They've been beheaded for going to the Middle East and then getting captured by Al-Qaeda and things like that. There was an Angelina Jolie movie about it. What's the movie? I forget. Uh, the Constant Gardener, maybe? I forget what it's called, but her, her she plays the wife of the uh, journalist who was kidnapped, and um, <laughs> they posted a lot of videos of him being kidnapped, and then at the end of the movie, they posted a final video where he was decapitated on film. They recorded the whole okay. thing and released the whole thing. Okay. Now... Um, just in speaking about this further, the guy who beheaded the teacher, he afterwards, he posted a picture of the teacher's head on Twitter and said... That is so disturbing. Yes, and he said, I've executed one of the dogs from hell who dared to put Muhammad down. And again, this is a well-liked teacher. Who was talking about free speech. He wasn't And he wasn't talking about free speech out of, out of or, nowhere. Yeah. He showed the class uh, caricatures of the Prophet Muhammad that were originally published in the Charlie Hebdo magazine. So these pictures had already been published, and he brought them up in his class because that the Charlie Hebdo um, attack is actually currently in trial. Okay. Uh, can you tell us more about that attack? Since yes, it seems to be I got to try this. to explain this. But basically, yeah. So two brothers broke into the Charlie Hebdo office. They killed 11 um, workers who were part of the magazine. They killed 11 of its staff. And this was uh, January 2015. So those two brothers were killed in a standoff with police. And now six years later, nearly six years later, the trial of suspected accomplices is underway. And it's expected to last two months. It started um, kind of in the beginning of September. So basically, the teacher was teaching because it was in the news. It, the yes, trial was a huge big deal. As we said, these were the pictures yeah. they showed. And apparently, this is coming from a, a different student in the class through her mom, I believe. But they said that he very respectfully, very politely... Um, asked any of the students who were Muslim to leave the class before showing the caricatures and then asked the students who stayed not to tell the other students what he showed in case it would offend them. Okay. But he thought it was reasonable to show the rest of the students. Since, again, this this is a trial that's like literally happening. So it's it's in the news. Now, I don't know, like, this is speculative probably, but why do you think, um, like you mentioned that the Vienna, this was really the first attack to happen recently to Vienna, whereas France has now had a couple, and now you're going back to 2015, we know there was a few um, back that far, and since then, why do you think France seems to be such a hot place? Um, well, there's quite a few reasons that other experts have kind of put forward um as far as i know france has the biggest population of muslim um immigrants i think the population is around 8.8 percent are muslim and that that could just be a numbers thing like specifically if if you're just more likely to have more attacks if you have more people who would attack could, for that reason yeah, yeah. right now I, I don't know the population in vienna and it could entirely just be like 
coincidentally they've managed to escape that and the other reasons are france are or france is really close to north africa they have plenty of north african immigrants and so they're actually just a channel for you know people who might um it's like it's easy to get to france it's right there it's the first country yeah, there yeah. so a lot of their migrants they they travel from north africa and then they just stay in france that could be one of the reasons but it, it's a very complex like social social political problem recently the new york times um actually published an op-ed that basically said france is causing its own terror attacks because of their secularism they're uh isolating muslim people they're forcing them to feel like outsiders and the fact that they're even so focused on it and preventing wow. radical radical islamist attacks is just kind of leading them to potentially have more antag yeah, yeah basically antagonize them and yeah have more. it's like a circle inside mm -hmm. themselves because they're yeah they're trying to they're making people who are radicalized so upset that they could possibly yeah and, and now again this op-ed was extremely controversial and a lot of people were basically calling it just like terrorist apologism and giving I guess, like, a, a reason Excuses. for why people are getting killed, yeah. and that, that wasn't a reason people are comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's sort of what's happening in France, but there was also an attack on September 25th outside of Charlie Hebdo's former office. Two were wounded in wow. a stabbing. Nobody died, but this again happened outside the former Charlie Hebdo office and was again uh, in relation to the trial being underway. That is so interesting that that... There's still so many consequences from that attack in 2015, both in the case of the trial going on right now, but also people just being still so upset by that conversation of free speech. Yeah, and the guy who beheaded the teacher, Caitlin, 18 years old. Wow. 18 years old. That the other two really attacks scary. that we talked about, like 21 years old and 22 years old, like young people. Yes. Wow. Yeah, like we could we could go into that as well and we would just be, you know, making assumptions, but some some people would say that young people are just uh more easy to radicalize cuz young people are impressionable, but there is something about being young and getting into information silos on the internet that are specifically reinforcing jihadist values and violence. Yeah, it's very interesting because you also want to believe that it's the young people that um, you can shift and change because they're so young, like that guy in Vienna. Let him out early. Mm -hmm. He's did his he time. He did the program. You know, yeah. He's seeing clearly. Yes. His family Because you don't want to give up on an 18-year-old. His so. family wasn't going to give up on him either. So it, it would make sense. I would almost be on the parole board saying, yes, release this guy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because he hadn't done anything. He was just too radical right and he see, he seemed to get past that yeah that is so interesting that that's right it's just extremes amount of, mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. young people which is obviously easy easy target i guess those young people they're online they're looking at things they're already questioning and it's just like a perfect storm well it's amazing that you could just get so mad about something that you would just basically up and immediately travel 50 miles to go cut somebody's head off to post it on twitter yeah. It's hard to wrap your head around for sure. And if you're wondering um, 
just a bit more context about Charlie Hebdo, they, they republished the same pictures that had caused the original attack um, at the beginning of the trial. And if you're wondering why they would do that, are they not just asking for more violence? They, they released a statement with um, the publication and they said, it's unacceptable to start the trial without showing the pieces of evidence to readers and citizens. Not publishing the caricatures would have amounted to political or journalistic cowardice. They added, do we want to live in a country that claims to be a great democracy, free and modern, which at the same time does not affirm its most profound convictions? It's, it's difficult because France, um, basically since the French Revolution, I've really tried to be kind of a secular nation and to not have religion being such a big impact, but forcing secularism and forcing values upon um, immigrants that certainly their culture doesn't quite uh, have the hundreds of years of history behind them being secular that France might have. And again, France had a lot of a lot to do with just Christianity and its monarchy, so there's that conflict as well. This is a historical thing, but we have to look at why it's happening so much in the last decade, so many extreme attacks in the last decade. And when uh, French President Emmanuel Macron first began uh, his presidency, he was really more lenient on like he was actually criticized by the French right wing for not being hard enough on radical Islam. Um, he has since made a pretty long public address about this like he took questions for two hours from journalists afterwards wow, but he's basically completely shifted his stance they're putting in new rules like um limiting homeschooling because they don't want any students to be at home learning things that aren't approved by the french government so wow. that's one of the things they're they're targeting to prevent education in extremism um and they're really going to be looking at things like this going forward. Whereas before he was, before he was trying to be more um, inclusive. Now he's trying to be a little bit more, I guess he's, he's bowing to the pressure in light of more attacks. Okay. Can you tell me more about the pictures Charlie Ebdo posted? Yeah. So basically most of the drawings that were republished um, to coincide with the trial were originally published in a Danish newspaper going all the way back to 2005. Um, they included one lampooning Muhammad as carrying a bomb in his turban. Basically, that's just one I can speak about right now, but many Muslims considered that to be like, extremely offensive, blasphemy, mockery, and it set off deadly riots in Muslim countries, and it resulted in boycotts of Danish products. And that, that was in 2005. Um, to show solidarity with the Danish publication and in the name of freedom of speech, Charlie Hebdo republished those cartoons the following year, 2006, as part of a special edition. They put Muhammad on the cover uh, and they had him on the cover in, with a little speech bubble saying, it's hard being loved by idiots. Um, and that, that was an original sketch, what they had on the cover. The artist Kabu was killed in the 2015 attack when the 11 staff members were killed. So kind of the Danish newspaper kicked that off. Charlie Hebdo picked it up, and now it's really it's a Charlie Hebdo thing. Like you might remember from 2015, the Je suis Charlie hashtag. Yeah, that was a global hashtag. It went all around, and people are now published or the hashtag's trending again. And there's a new one, Je suis Prof, uh, as we're standing with the professor in solidarity who was killed. Very interesting. Yeah, and just in kind of looking at that in terms of 
like what we think about that or what we should be thinking about that because it is really controversial. A lot of people are saying, no, don't publish that. Why are you purposely offending people? You can believe in free speech without going out of your way to incite violence. Yeah. But actually, the president of the French Council of Muslim Faith, Mohamed Moussaï, he said that attention should not be paid to the republished cartoons at all. He said, the freedom to caricature is guaranteed for everyone and that nothing can justify violence. He said that people should instead focus on the trial because that's where the information is going to come out and it reminds us of the victims of terrorism. He said that terrorism has struck a name in our, um, terrorism has struck a name in our religion and is our enemy. Yeah, it's interesting because I can see the arguments as to why would anyone post that to begin with? What is the point besides to upset other people? Um, However, it's not an eye for an eye because someone posts something offensive that you find offensive and then you're going to murder them. That's obviously not the same yeah. levels. Yeah. So whether or not you agree if it should or shouldn't be posted is kind of like, that's not really the point because whether it should or shouldn't be posted is different than whether people should or shouldn't die for posting these things. That's right. And again... Um, you can get offended over something like on, like you can be incited to violence by being offended or you can just be offended and move on. And I'm not trying to say people can like, I mean, I, I can't speak for any of these radical extremists. I, I know nothing about radical extremism, but uh, there are so many ways to handle things that aren't traveling 50 miles to kill somebody. Yeah, definitely. There's a million <sighs> options in between. Like, how about just discourse? I Okay, so it's so offensive that it immediately should be a death sentence to post the Prophet Muhammad's images, yep. which are forbidden. But the original editor of the Charlie Hebdo magazine who um, decided to publish those cartoons, he actually had already left the publication before the attack, so he wasn't even there to be killed. But he has been in the media again recently and has been saying that he doesn't regret the decision, he stands behind the decision, and he thinks that all newspapers should be republishing those cartoons and standing in solidarity. It's interesting. Maybe that would be like mean pouring a ton of gasoline on an already, yeah. already ferocious well, fire. Well, at this point, that kind of seems like it because you can't even really talk about mm-hmm. it as a teacher without... Literally being killed. Yes, without having to worry for your life. So never mind having all these newspapers. Yeah, and the head of HR. I don't know about that kind of problem solving. The head of HR of Charlie Hebdo has been living in like protective custody since 2015 and was recently like, again, getting tons of death threats since the republication. Wow. Um, Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's super crazy. And Okay, maybe they shouldn't be publishing it. But if every single newspaper published it, you can't really have an isolated attack. You can't be like, go kill the staff of this newspaper because it would be all newspapers. Yeah, but I feel like even if every newspaper published it, um, like what's going to come of that? Okay, great. Yeah, you're standing in solidarity and support for something that you find important. I do always think it's important to stand up for what you believe in. So there's that aspect of it. But either you're asking for uh, more attacks or there will just be none because it's too big, but that's not solving any of the problems that are causing this. You're right. You're right. But how I'll finish 
This episode is basically just by bringing up a poll that was just done in France. A French think tank polled the population, and 59% of respondents said that the magazine was right to publish the characters in the name of free speech. In 2006, when they did it, this is, again, before the attack, this is when they republished the Danish cartoons in 2006, 38% said they were right to do so. Now it's up to 59%. Well, that is is interesting that it has only just gone up since the whole ordeal. Yeah, we'll have to see if Macron's new legislation has any effect. Um, I hear that they're going to be kind of adding all of experts' ideas into a new bill that's going to be put forth in December. So I don't know if this will make any difference at all, but the government of France is swinging and they're trying to be harder now on extremism because what's been worked, like what they've been doing before hasn't worked. I don't know if they started being really hard on extremism from the start, if it would have been any different. It's just another one of those things that we'll have to pay attention to. Does um, the government of Austria have any plans to also make harsher legislation or are they not there yet? It's too soon to say. Basically, what's happening right now is they're just receiving messages of support from other nations. So German Chancellor Angela Merkel, French President Emmanuel Macron, both Trump and Biden have offered their condolences and their support and their condemnation of extremism. And that's kind of just where we're at right now. Okay. Well, thank you for uh, delivering all that information to us. You're welcome, Caitlin and listeners. Uh, We will see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.